Hello and welcome to the England Athletics podcast. 400 metre hurdler and civil servant Chris McAllister is our guest athlete. We'll chat about his two appearances at the World Championships in Doha and Eugene, as well as houseplants and getting a mention of his team talk to a group of footballers. Later, our CEO Chris Jones will give us the full menu for the feast of everything athletics that we have to look forward to next year. First, though, Chris McAllister, who joins me. Chris, I hope you're sitting a bit more comfortably this time because I know last time we spoke at the England Championships in Bedford, we were sitting on the concrete floor. How are you doing? Very good. Good to see you again. Yeah, had a windy day out in Bedford last year, wasn't it, at the England Champs? Mm. Uh, going well, working hard and training hard at the minute. You have at times been everyone's favourite athlete, civil servant. <laughs> but I think you've had some really interesting jobs in that time also. So it's interesting just to hear from you about what it's been like to combine the various roles that you've had from athletics and, and what you've learned from that. First of all, I've got to say, Eugene Amodadzi has smashed me out of the water in terms of his <laughs> branding, in terms of working. I've not quite managed to brand myself as the world's fastest civil servant, but um, I am getting there. I am the sort of person that cannot sit still. So if I was training for two or three hours a day, I just couldn't sit there and do nothing. So um, I have to have something to occupy my mind, give me a reason to get up in the morning and then train afterwards. Uh, and I, I really enjoy my roles in the civil service. Uh, I recently switched. I'm now working really closely with the Minister for Science throughout all the time, seeing some really interesting technology and science, working closely with him on his comms and meetings and all sorts. And we had a reshuffle, uh, which happens periodically with ministers. So we've got a new guy who we're trying to get in at the minute. So it's super, super busy. Every day is different. And then I'm off to the track in Battersea and in Sutton and all around south london area doing my doing my sessions so yeah it's an interesting life yeah and it is interesting and i remember when you you went to the world championships there was kind of more discussion around this you know it came more more known to the nation and that and that branding that you described kind of started to uh, to come out and it just makes me wonder what your colleagues ask you about your athletics career and, and, and what they make of it you get a bit of everything i was sat in the office the other day and um, someone said, oh, you should show off your high jump skills at a Christmas party or something like that. And I was like, I don't really mind. If people want to talk about it, I'm happy to talk about it. And I can kind of go hang on about it for hours. And there's some people who are really interested in athletics and actually recognise you from like meetings that have been to the Diamond League at London or something or seen you at the World Champs and heard about your story. But um, there's a, a full, full range of reactions that I get. No, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the classic one being, you know, when you're going to win the Olympics and and stuff like that. But you also, at one point in your social media, branded yourself, I think, as a poor man's Chris Akabusi. <laughs> so the fact that that's no longer there suggests that by that measure of sporting integrity, you, you've gone up in the world. I think so. I'm still a poor man, Chris Akabusi, <laughs> to be honest. He's um, a lot more charismatic and a lot quicker than I am. So I actually was happy to put that on there, to be fair, because I actually chatted to him once and was like trying to get some mentoring in and he gave me all sorts of great tips even if you chat to him for like five minutes about anything you'll come away like energized so no this is a sort of mentor for me for a little bit oh that's that's brilliant yeah that you managed to, to take that opportunity i mean mm. but generally though it seems though that you and your your training group seem to have had some of the best camaraderie among any uh in the country certainly for sure 
yeah we are we're a close bunch especially as a lot of us we weren't necessarily that good before we joined marina's training group so we've kind of grown through the sport together we do a lot of camps away where we can particularly the ones that have been there a while they're some of my best friends as well we've always been very keen to be like supportive help each other out um especially the training is very tough um marina's training i don't know how much everybody knows about how marina's training is grueling and tough winters and stuff so we've got to stick together and make sure uh, that we get through it but yeah we've obviously we've had highs and lows and there's the, the sport is full of it and we have to support each other through that to be honest the team has supported me a lot more than i've supported them but um yeah we've been great for each other and hopefully i've helped them out a little bit as well no that's that's great i mean you just wonder when people can see from the outside the the progression within that training group. Are people trying to message you saying, "Oh, what's she like as a coach?" Uh, you know, can I get your training group? Can I get her details and, and stuff like that? I want to join. I want to join. Is it that kind of atmosphere? A bit like I'm imagining, like a a great club side in in a sport like football. People be like, "Oh, you know, what's uh, I don't know Pep Guardiola like?" Yeah, let me try and get a move to Man City. People, yeah, I, th- I think I get some messages. I post the odd video. I don't post post too much on social media, but when I post some of the weird things that she gets us to do, people are like, what's this for? Like, what are you doing? And I like, I wish I could tell you some of the time, like <laughs> what on earth we're doing, but um, like it all fits together really well. Um, and like, I think the supportive environment is as, like, it's as much about that as, as the training that we do. We're always open to people coming to, to train with us and see, see what we do. Cause it, we do have a lot of fun, but we work, we work super hard as well. And that's kind of, there's no real secret. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's a it's obviously a question people would expect to ask about a secret. But but as you said, there are highs and lows as well. And I suppose you've experienced both. Is that fair to say? When you think back to some of the days when you've been at your best, what kind of emotion have you felt? What have you what have you taken from that? You know, particularly being on the global stage. I don't know whether it feels like yesterday or whether it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, they they stick out for sure. Like I had my breakthrough year was 2019 and I PB'd like five times and I just felt like unstoppable. And that's kind of exactly how you feel when it's going well. Um, And obviously it's not going to last forever, but culminated in Doha with 14th overall in the world, which feels like ridiculous at the minute, given the the way that the events progressed. But um, to be at that that kind of level, it definitely didn't feel real because you kind of try and block everything out and run your own race when you're there. So like you kind of try to suppress the emotions because it's your first time you felt all of this stuff. And then so afterwards, you're like looking back and you're thinking, wow, like I just managed to achieve that. But at the time, you're just like run the race, do what you can. Whatever happens will happen. But no, it was that was just incredible. I was just on such a high throughout the whole the whole season, really. Um, and I didn't feel like anything could stop me. And you do just get like that sometimes. I think particularly with four hurdles, I feel like when you just nail the stride pattern, you're not stuttering in between the hurdles. You just feel like the sky's the limit. Yeah, that's how I felt that year. Yeah, and those are words that that people will have heard before, you know, from from some of the greatest hurdlers and and from other disciplines. And I suppose at the same time, you know that there is often progression to be continually made in an event like the four hurdles. Your technique can improve, your your speed can improve. Yeah, just talk about the, the event specifically and why it can be one that we often see big chunks of time taken off from i think it's it's a unique event in the, the like skill set that it requires people think you have to be good at certain things which you do like you have to be quick obviously and you have to be able to hurdle there's this unique little 
it's quite hard to put a name name to it, but it's like the rhythm and actually nailing the hurdle right on the stride every time, so you don't have to check. If you can do that eight or nine of the ten hurdles, you're going to run a really quick time. Like if you're running flat out, close to flat out for that whole time, and then just having that little bit of it's not like the end of a 1500 because you sort of wound up and then you kick at the end, but like you need to just be able to nail that last hurdle and then sprint off at the end as well. It's sort of a speed endurance kind of thing, but it's just having the presence of mind to be able to hurdle as well. You can't, you can't really put a name on those skills. I suppose the steeplechase is like the only one that really is relevant as well, because you have to be able to think in a 400, I've always like switched off at the end. I'm just like, oh, I'll get to the finish line, but like, four hurdles you have to be able to get over hurdle 10 and then sprint off as well so there's a lot of a lot of skills basically in 2019 I just felt like I was going to hit every hurdle perfectly every time and it just happens and I didn't really hit hurdles like for the whole season obviously I know from the last few seasons that that doesn't happen every year you're going to hit some like most races but um just had a good streak that confidence was there which is important for every event definitely hurdles as well because you have to be able to attack all the hurdles all the way around confidence with a capital c definitely for, for your particular event i mean just thinking generally what athletics you feel has given you you know you're a wimbledon fan right and and you know one <laughs> yeah. thing that was yeah they invited you along didn't they yeah, which yeah. Uh, what was that like oh that was weird yeah weird route to get there but um i'm still in touch with robert who was the manager at the time actually funny story was that he was like he knew my my aunt's boyfriend at the time he was like, oh, I love like individual athletes. I hope he, he can get him down to come and watch training. And I was there during the January deadline and they just sold their top striker. The mood was a bit flat. They'd just been smashed by Ipswich in midweek. And the manager then was like, he comes in and does his team talk and says, you know, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. Spoke for an hour about tactics. And then he said, over to you, Chris, to tell us about your hurdles. And I was like, oh, what am I supposed to say now? They were like... Uh, and there were some questions varying from like conditioning questions from people who had injuries to like how high are the hurdles and stuff like that. But it was really fun. And there were some great lads there who were still there. But actually, they didn't win a game for the rest of the season and got relegated, Alex. And my motivational speaking career has not taken off <laughs> in the way that I would have hoped. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there are people who say they're trying to plan for after sport, aren't they? But I, I'm sure that you have many. That's not something I'm going to go into, I don't think. Well, given the picture behind you, you seem to have an ability to keep up houseplants. So there's also gardening. <laughs> That's definitely my mum and not me. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, well, you can take credit if you like. I mean, yeah, just in these sort of few minutes we, we've got left, because, you know, you, you've graciously given up some time for us. When you think about next year and, and what you'd still like to achieve in athletics, what comes to the forefront? So I've done two world champs. That was big. That was always what I wanted to achieve is to go to these global champs and get a GB vest. I think it's what everyone growing up in the sport wants to do. But like the Olympics is, is different, Alex. Like That's next level. To be able to go to Paris would be incredible. Um, I think I've still got enough in the tank to go to the one after as well. LA, maybe. Let's just see what happens, I think. The body's not going to hold together forever, but like, let's see, let's see what happens this year. I've got a good feeling. I'm training well, feel confident. Just got to keep putting the work in and stay fit, really, and then um, have a shot at Paris. Maybe take a bit of time off work and then see if I can see if I can qualify and train properly. And from March onwards, and then get some races in to try and qualify. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember talking to Lizzie Bird, and she said that um, you know she was working incredibly hard. As I feel like it was in the realm of immigration law. That's right. Yeah. Taking a bit of time was a real risk, she felt, to kind of 
a bit different trajectory to, to kind of go back to athletics as someone that she'd really put to one side for a while and take a bit of time paid off. But for other people, you know, balancing a hard working job does does work out, gives you something else to, to focus on. Um, we've previously spoke, spoken before, and this is maybe a good place to end, of some of the weird things that, that have happened to you in athletics. Um, but one story being that going to the world championships when you weren't at 100 percent and knowing that there's a you know there was a potential to be injured but yeah what that was like psychologically so just touching on that and any other weird and wonderful things that have happened yeah yeah i've got plenty of stories about <laughs> weird stuff that happened to me but like yeah that was a weird one so we went to oregon for the world champs 2022 so last year i basically did my ankle the week before and it was clear to everybody that i probably wasn't going to be able to run like at 100 percent. it turned out it was broken but i didn't know that at the time because it was it was so swollen up that they couldn't do an mri so they just said yeah let's strap it up and see what happens and then it was uncomfortable strapped up but it was okay and enough to run and we just strapped it up completely and then sent me out there to race against rye benjamin which you know i wouldn't have stood a chance with with two ankles alex and I didn't come last, actually. Someone DNF'd in the race, so I was well happy that I got round. That was super weird, and I was really disappointed with the time. But when it turned out that that time was run on a broken ankle, it sort of puts everything in perspective. It was a low, a low point when you go out and you just know that you can't, you can't do your best, I think. If it was anything other than the World Champs, I definitely would have pulled out. But I don't really have that mentality ever in anything. I had to, had to just go for it and see what happened. No, all credit to you for, for doing that. And, and any other stories that you mentioned that, that there might be a few stories of anything unusual? Lauren Williams once told me a story of uh, when she was preparing for her race and she spilt coffee everywhere. And then afterwards, she realized it was the first race she'd been to where all the instructions were in French. Being prepared for that when you're used to the usual. That's always a weird one when you start, when you go abroad and you're sharing with someone random and all kind of bits and bobs like that. Luckily, um, there's a good crop of Brits who go around Europe on the circuit so we usually i usually end up showing with someone like jamie webb or dave king or someone like that who i get on well with no it's the, that's the fun stuff around the sides anything like supplement wise that people are sort of the new fad i'm always the first one to go and try obviously informed sport tested stuff hmm. only but um i'm always the first one to go and try i don't know if you've heard people take bicarb and drink bicarb before the race yeah what I ended up doing was you have to swallow all of these pills to try and buffer the lactic. And I ended up thinking it was a good idea to sort of mix it all in as a drink and then drink it. So you're basically drinking like salt water wow. and it was absolutely rancid. And I did this for about a year. It might have gone well for me once. And then so therefore you decide that everything, every time it's going to go well, drank it, smashed a bottle on the floor. It went all over the floor and I tried to scoop it back in. So I'm drinking a sort of half grubby bicarb thing and then i looked at myself afterwards and i was like what are you doing <laughs> what is this stupid idea and then from that moment on i never had it again there's all sorts of stuff like that where <laughs> all the best plans go wrong yeah but i mean it sounds like you know generally you you've kept a level head through all of this through high and low and all respect to you for doing that and i think you know it'd be very popular thing to see if you if you did make it to the olympics and be it the the one coming or the one after that and enjoyed those highs once again be great to see so it's been great to chat to you through the broken ankle to the, the motivational speaking career and wish you all the best brilliant thanks alex yeah great to see you again chris McAllister, with good anecdotes to paint images in your mind particularly the hard training and the grueling winters 
and the emotion around making his World Championships debut at Doha 2019. And I was thinking while he was saying that, you know you've made it when the nation sees the TV cameras pick out your parents in the crowd, as I seem to remember happening then. Right, from one Chris to another, our CEO Chris Jones is here. Chris, on a lighter note, we saw somewhat unexpectedly Carl Lewis handing out some medals at the UKA Cross Country in Liverpool. It reminded me of when Kim Collins did the same at the England under-20s a few years ago. What better inspiration for some of the young athletes there? Absolutely. Arguably, in my opinion, well, in the top two or three track and field athletes of all time, alongside our, our very own daily, of course. Yeah, what a wonderful experience for those participants, but also parents, carers, coaches, officials who will remember the heady days of the 80s and you know, his achievements in 84 in Los Angeles in particular. What a wonderful athlete and just fantastic. You didn't expect to see him in Liverpool at the cross country, I guess. Yeah, so I gather it was to do with his university commitments in in the US, um, which I, I thought quite a compliment that he is looking at the next generation in in the UK. On that note, uh, looking forward, what have we got to look forward to next year? Because no doubt this is very much already in the planning. Yeah, can I just start by um, just uh, issuing a thank you, really, as well, to everyone who's played their important part in delivering everything athletics and running across England during 2023. We've had an action-packed, enjoyable season on and off the track and without the work of volunteers that would not be possible so I wanted to thank the volunteers from across the nine English regions who have been recognized recently in our annual volunteer awards program Uh, and as we look to 2024 of course major international competitions taking place indoors one of course in the UK we've got uh, our combined events championships England athletics starting first weekend in January and then obviously onwards from there we're in the the kind of midst of the cross-country season, the road season still, and then we'll get round to spring with the start of the outdoor track and field season with county championships and area championships, and then obviously on to uh, England Athletics National Championships, where we're condensing the outdoor season into two weekends pretty much for our track and field champs over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, trying to create more room in the calendar, in the domestic calendar, try and innovate in terms of event experience. Manchester International returns uh, around August and it looks like we're going to be hosting an under-20s international around that time as well. More information to be disclosed in due course. But I must mention, of course, the pinnacle of 2024, which is Paris Olympic and Paralympic Games, the showpiece to drive and inspire the next generation. So, And also Hall of Fame returns in 2024, I think 2nd of November. Wonderful evening. We've gone biennial for a variety of reasons, and that will incorporate our volunteer awards for 2024 as well. So we're looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll get some clarity ASAP around the Commonwealth Games in 2026 and what's going to happen there. We still don't have a a host nation uh, following the withdrawal of Victoria and Australia, but I know plans are afoot to try and find a replacement there. Hopefully we'll find out in January. Also find out who will host the next Commonwealth Youth Games and when that will take place as well. So, yeah, looking forward, lots to be excited about. There's always the uh, the concentration of what England Athletics' priorities are 
ranging from putting on great competition, making sure there's a pathway for coaches and officials. Uh, what do you think those priorities will continue to be? And, and are there any that have been pushed to the forefront? Yeah, track and field participation, retention and growth in the teenage years. I think uh, transitioning more juniors into senior level competition is a priority for us as an organisation. We've been very open and vocal about that. And we're trying to socialise the issues and the challenges that are faced by teenagers, particularly post-pandemic. Coach and officials education and making sure we can broaden and deepen the pool of participants. We took responsibility for this and licensing of coaching and officials from October the 1st. So lots of work going on there, bedding in a new education workforce team at England Athletics to coordinate the programme UK-wide with the other home countries. And I think there are some quick wins we can achieve, maybe some changes to content, the way in which we deliver courses, and making the experience far more enjoyable and better for volunteers and more accessible in this modern life that is so busy for people and people's leisure time is is so important to them. So we have to adapt. We have to move with the times. And I would say track and field participation and reformation and also coaching officials' education are fundamentally important. And so, yeah, I just wanted to wish everyone uh, a very uh, happy holiday season. hope that everyone gets to relax and some important downtime. I know there is never much room for relaxation and downtime within such a busy sport as athletics and running. Um, thank all those road race directors across the country, three and a half thousand licensed road races. We'll be launching our new license system, event director portal and entry system in early 2024. Uh, run events powered by England Athletics, which replaces Run Britain. So that watch out for that. Thanks to all the technical officials who work so hard throughout the year. And uh, we are indebted to the contribution you make to our sport. And I'm sure every athlete listening to this from, you know, aspiring future champions such as Teddy Wilson and Phoebe Gill and others down to those young people coming into the sport as young as five and six onto the track in the sports hall for their first experience of our great sport. Thanks to the technical officials, thanks to the volunteers, the team managers, the club chairs, the club leaders. Without you, our sport would be much, much poorer. So thank you. We heard from Phoebe Gill and Maddie Down in, in the previous podcast, of course, very recently. What did you make of the real maturity of young athletes at, at that age? And while we obviously try not to put any pressure on anyone to, to make any next steps, it was really interesting, I thought, how well they spoke um, and how much they'd enjoyed that experience in Trinidad and Tobago. Hugely impressive. Uh, I had the pleasure of joining some of the Commonwealth Youth Games athletes at the British Athletic Supporters Club conference uh, in early November and was hugely impressed by the maturity, the level-headedness and the positivity that these athletes exude. And I, I just think they're an inspiration that the crop of young people coming through and also a tribute to their parents, their carers, their coaches, those volunteers that have supported them through the club system, development phases. And of course, they're still in that development phase. We must remember that their aspiration as young athletes, of course, will be to succeed as seniors. And we must create a sport and create an environment that gives them the best chance of doing that. But it, it does bode well for the future. It really does. We've always produced fantastically talented age group athletes. And of course, from time to time, success in different events will peak and trough. But 
the challenge has often been how do we transition more of those young people through to senior success? But certainly Commonwealth Youth Games team of 2023 will be remembered for what they achieved, but hopefully will serve as an inspiration to others who are possibly the age of 12, 13, 14 coming through. Yeah, good luck to them in 2024. I think it'll probably be a, another breakthrough season for many young athletes. Brilliant. Well, uh, it's been good to chat to you. Yeah, hope you also get a bit of time for relaxation over the uh, holiday season and uh, we'll speak to you next year. Cheers, Alex. Thanks, everyone. Well, thanks to both Chris's in what has, without meaning to be, become a bit of a Chris, but not quite Christmas special. I digress, but England Athletics, we did speak to Athletes All Called Holly for a Christmas feature last year. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.